0: Wake up. Well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who thinks i next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get dunked, well I know Oklahoma I'm hasn't suffered a losing football season since nineteen ninety-eight. The only program in power five football that has that long of a record of consecutive winning seasons. And the only thing that's keeping that streak intact would be a win over Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, like, this is, a, this is a matchup that I, I don't like for Oklahoma at all. Obviously, we have lots of time uh, to break that down as the Sooners coming up in the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State on December 29th. We're recording this on the 5th of December, so... That's, you know, 24 days uh, to break this down and dissect it and see what happens. Obviously, Oklahoma could have continued to streak with a win in Lubbock uh, a week ago Saturday, but that didn't happen. We really didn't get a chance to talk about that game uh, on the podcast because the flu took me out uh, last week. And so that said, um, we're just going to move on. Um, I did get, I, I get kind of called out on social media um, Because I think our headline at Heartland Sports was something along the lines of Sooners collapse. I used the word collapse or something like that in the post game headline, and a lot of people didn't. They they kind of took issue with that. Oh, That wasn't a collapse. That was a great game. Blah, blah, blah. Look, it was it was a fun game. Okay, and I've said this before. You you can have a fun football game in which your team loses, and that was one of them. That that was a if you're just a fan of the game, if you're just a fan of football, that was a fun game. It was an exciting game to watch. But you can't look at that final possession for Oklahoma when all, you know, score a touchdown, burn some clock, and you're probably coming out of Lubbock with a win, win number seven on the season. But then you don't score a touchdown, you get the field goal, and you turn around and give it up in chunk yardage to Texas Tech. You blocked the field goal that would have tied that tied the game. But no, 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 no. You got a timeout from the sideline. You go into overtime. You get your quarterback killed in overtime. You, you kick a field goal. Uh, I mean, and, then that, and then that shanked or was it or was it not? I mean, you, all these things that lead to you losing by a field goal in overtime in Lubbock, Texas. Guys, I'm sorry. That's a collapse. Uh, that's a collapse. Okay, I'm, I'm sooner true and true. But that's a collapse, and I, I'll stick to my guns on that. I will die on that hill, and uh, that pretty much is going to be my recap from a from a week and a half ago. But anyway, Oklahoma cheese at ball against Florida State. Sooners are a seven and a half point underdog to the uh, to the Seminoles, and I I I have feared this matchup since before uh, it was even announced. I mean, when this when it was trending this direction. I'm not a big fan. There, there's several reasons why. You can go back historically. Oklahoma hasn't played well in this bowl, and uh, I know you know it's not always been the cheese of the bowl. But when you send the Sooners to Orlando, they they don't they don't typically fare well there. Um, Florida State's. I think. Well, let's just look st- statistics, okay? Because we're gonna again we're gonna break this down, in in the days and weeks to come. But the, but the point is this. Statistically, Florida State's better than Oklahoma offensively and defensively. the The Seminoles score thirty six point two points per game. The Sooners thirty two point nine. And here's the big difference. Here's what here's what really really bothers me about this game is was what Florida State does defensively. the The Seminoles only give up nineteen point seven points per game. And yes, you can say some of that is is the offenses across the board in the ACC aren't spectacular. But also, you got to give credit where it's due and and, and talk about how this Florida State defense is pretty good. 19.7 points per game. In contrast to OU, gives up almost 10 more than that, 29.6. I think when you look at Florida State, you look at their overall body of work, obviously they're a nationally ranked team. At number 13, 9-3 on the season. All three of their losses came back to back to back. Losing to Wake Forest, North Carolina State, Clemson. There's not a bad loss in there, right? I mean, those are all top 25 teams that they lost to. Clemson's the ACC champion. And then you go through Oklahoma's schedule. Yeah, there's some bad losses in there. Should have never lost to West Virginia. I just talked about the collapse in Lubbock, Texas. Of course, you got that big 49 to nothing debacle in, in Dallas against Texas. And that's that's a big asterisk game. Longhorn fans don't want to hear that, but they invented the asterisk. I mean, when you don't have an offense, you don't have a quarterback. I, I just so there, there's things that, to, that go that way for Oklahoma, but you you can definitely look at this sooner schedule and you can you can pinpoint the bad losses. And and there's there's multiple of them there. But I think West Virginia and Texas Tech. Those are the two losses that just scratch my head the most. Even though they were on the road, you dropped two games by a field goal on the road that you absolutely should have won. So there, there's not a lot here to give me confidence as an Oklahoma fan two and three and a half weeks out from this game. In fact, the ESPN Matchup Predictor has the Oklahoma with a 64.7% chance to lose the Cheez-It Bowl. 64.7% chance to lose, I guess if you want to flip that around, if you're a Florida State fan, hey, your Seminoles have a 64.7% chance of winning this game, according to the ESPN matchup predictor. And I've I got to be honest with you, I, I know I'm I'm starting this podcast as the Debbie Downer. How is that not higher? How is that not 75 to 80% chance? Especially when you because opt-outs are going to be huge. Opt-outs are going to be a big factor, and I I think you might see this point spread creep up. It's seven and a half now in favor of the Seminoles. But we know this. Here's what we know. We know Eric Gray, not playing. Anton Harrison, not playing. Wanya Morris, Jalen Redman, not playing. They are out, going to the NFL. Then you got your transfer portal guys. You know who is playing for Florida State? Jared Verse, defensive end. Jamie Robinson, safety. By the way, those guys, all ACC, I don't know why I put that pause in there, but all ACC caliber players, all conference players, they're playing. Top 25 draft eligible guys are playing for Florida State in this game. And so I, I think when 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 you look at this matchup again, we're three and a half weeks out, so a lot can change between now and then. But you're you're going up against an all conference defensive end without Anton Harrison, without Wanya Morris. So your best offensive lineman, Anton Harrison, is not playing. Best defensive lineman for Florida State, he's playing. That I mean, those are just the things that kind of. It has nothing to do with coaching. Okay. And and I know there's a lot of people that are, that are ill on the coaching staff right now. I get that as well. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But man, there, there are some things in the initial phases of this preview that just really kind of bother me as an Oklahoma fan, just looking at matchups alone. So again, we got a long way to go until then, but, um, I'm I'm going to right right now I'm going to be that guy that's leaning towards Oklahoma's first ever losing season since before a lot of you guys were born or before a lot of you guys were even up and around and and cheering for the Sooners since 1998. And um we'll see we'll see what happens again a lot of, a lot of football uh information is going to come in and out before we hit December 29th. Let's talk about the Big 12 Bowl schedule. I've got some thoughts on the final four uh, for the college football playoff. I know Oklahoma Oklahoma fans are kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're indifferent because Sooners aren't in it, but TCU is, and so is Ohio State, and there that's where my thoughts lie. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. All right, so you got you got eight of the ten Big Twelve schools. That are going to be playing in a bowl game. Iowa State's not in, West Virginia's not in, everybody else is. So you probably know this by now, but just for the sake of our conversation, here's your Big 12 bowl rundown December 22nd, Baylor Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl. December 27th, Oklahoma State in Wisconsin in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. This is also going to be, I guess, dubbed the Backup Quarterback Bowl. And so let me digress for just a quick second. I mean, how crazy that both starting quarterbacks opt out not of the bowl, but out of their team. Both starting quarterbacks for Wisconsin and for Oklahoma State hit the transfer portal. And this is this is the most Spencer Sanders thing ever. And if you listen to this podcast, right? you know, not a huge fan of Spencer Sanders. And by the way, let's let's go ahead and, and because uh, I have a, I have no problem admitting when I was wrong, and I am wrong a lot. But I did say, go all the way back to August, zero chance Spencer Sanders is the offensive player of the year in the Big 12. Now I didn't necessarily have it being Max Dillion either, but I just said it wasn't going to be Spencer Sanders. And so th- this is a guy you saw him three years ago, two years ago, I guess, quit on the, the Bedlam game. I, let's say three Bedlam games ago, right? If we're trying to figure it out. You saw him quit on his team in Norman. Now you saw him go crazy on his coaches last month in Norman. And now he's out. He's out to try to find one more year somewhere else for his final year of of, of college eligibility. I think personally, best option for this kid would be to go to pro. But this is a, when you, this is the most high profile biggest shocking transfer portal player as of yet from the big 12 maybe on the national scene now it's not it's not caleb williams jumping to usc like we saw last year oklahoma had that the biggest shocker but it's up there it is and and it's not even that, that he's bailing he's he's bailing before the bowl game Hey, thanks, but no thanks. I mean, just the day before, okay? So this this information comes out on Tuesday, the 5th of December, the first day of bold eligibility. Mike Gundy had met with some members of the media talking about how Spencer Sanders had been improving and was expected to be close to 100% again in a week or so. Now he's gone. And I, and I know Mike Gundy said, I don't, I don't talk to the players about the transfer portal. They'll come and tell me what they want to do. Well, I guess Spencer Sanders came and told him what he wanted to do. But it's just just nuts. Uh, complete Spencer Sanders move in, in, in the craziest of fashions. But that's that's December 27th, and that bowl game loses so much luster. Not just because Spencer Sanders, but Wisconsin losing their quarterback, but whatever. By the way, this is the bowl game, the guaranteed rate bowl that, this is really where I wanted Oklahoma to be. For me, this was the perfect bowl matchup uh, for the Sooners. But, alas, it didn't happen. Um, okay, December 28th, Kansas-Arkansas Liberty Bowl. That'll be fun. Uh, DeS- oh, you also have Ole Miss and Texas Tech in the Tax Tack Bowl that day. The t- December 29th, we know Oklahoma and Florida State. But also, you have Texas and Washington in the Alamo Bowl. December 31st, you have Alabama and Kansas in the... Sugar Bowl, and then you got TCU against Michigan as the semifinal of the college football playoff in the Fiesta Bowl. So here's your top four. Again, I know you know this information, but for the sake of this conversation, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. There wasn't a right choice for number four. I I firmly believe, I firmly believe TCU at number three was the right choice. Now, I know Alabama fans don't like it. And honestly, some Ohio State fans don't like it because they feel like, well, we're Ohio State. We should be number three. No, no, you shouldn't because you lost by more than three touchdowns on your home field against a team that didn't have its best offensive player. That disqualifies you from being number three. But TCU lost. Yeah, yeah, they did. They lost on a neutral field against a top 10 team in overtime. On a very questionable call, by the way. There was, no, there was nothing questionable about Michigan throttling Ohio State. So 1, 2, and 3 are correct when it comes to this college football playoff. There wasn't a correct answer at number 4. There just wasn't. It could have been TCU. Uh, and that would have been wrong, okay? That wouldn't have been the correct answer. Because they deserve to be number three. It could have been Alabama. It wouldn't have been correct. They don't deserve it. It could have been, or it was Ohio State. Nope. They don't deserve it. USC obviously didn't deserve it. So you gotta, you gotta pick like the lesser of the evils here, and you get Ohio State. But here's the thing. When you, when you look at the Big Ten, now obviously it's said and done with, okay? And, and they're going to be like, hey, you know, Big Ten, two teams in the college football playoff for the first time in forever. Okay, congratulations. Not a great accomplishment for you in, in terms of. Well, sorry, let me start that over. It is a great accomplishment in terms of this is what our conference did. Because up until this moment, the big, you know, they've never done it. The SEC has. The Big 12 never has. The Pac-12 certainly never has. ACC hasn't. But the Big 10 did it. And so you got to like, hey, there you go. Congratulations. A good moment for your conference. But is it really going to do a lot to raise the prestige of that conference? And I, in short term, yes. In the short term, everyone's talking about it. But I don't. I don't think Ohio State's, I, they're, they're, they're not going to beat Georgia. Now, as I have declared that, watch what happens. And I don't know that Michigan is just going to run roughshod over TCU. I, I think clearly Georgia, and Michigan, two best teams in the country. Hands down, the two best teams in the country. And then it's just kind of like, okay, who else deserves to be there? TCU absolutely deserve to be there. But then nobody else. Nobody else really can say, well, we absolutely deserved it. I already talked about Alabama, right? They, they lost twice. Sorry, you're out. Ohio State's a one-loss team. One loss trumps two losses, so they beat Alabama out. But think about it from this perspective. The, the, the Big 12, well, let, let, let's, let's start over, okay? All of the Power Five Conference Championship games, featured top 25 matchups, except for one, except for one. And that one conference championship game that did not feature a top 25 matchup was what? Yep. The big 10 big 10 did not feature a top 25 matchup in his championship game. Now of the five power conference championship games, only one of those games featured a top 10 matchup. Yep. You're right. Is It was the big 12. And so, if you're if you're trying to put conference prestige on the line, you can't lead with the fact that your conference championship game didn't feature a top, not just a, not a top ten, but not even a top twenty five matchup. You had one ranked team make it to your conference championship game. Yeah, that's not that's not a good look. Oh, yeah, and by the way, oh, yeah, we got we got two teams in the college football playoff, though, so we're clear of the best conference. Yeah, your second team lost at home on senior day to its arch rival by more than three touchdowns. Again, not a good look, but you only lost once this season, and that's the reason why you're in, because you only lost once. So when you look at the Big Twelve, I, I think I, I honestly think the Big Twelve has a good argument for being one of the top conferences in the country. I don't think it's the top. I really don't. I I, I still you look at the the um, the SEC, and and I know Georgia kind of you know look they they ran they ran the gauntlet. All right, Georgia's the best team in the country, and I. I, but you look down that... And, and I, the bowl season, you got some good Big 12 AC, uh, SEC matchups in the bowl season. But I, I think still SEC best team in the country. As much as I've bagged on the Big 10, yeah, they're probably number two. And then I think the Big 12 slides in there ahead of the ACC, certainly ahead of the Pac-12. Hands down, the pac Twelve's worst conference in the country. But... If you look at the bowl schedule, 8 of the 10 teams in the Big 12 are going bowling. 80%. That's easy math. 8 out of 10, 80% going bowling. That is the that, that means two teams, two teams from the Big 12 not going bowling. That's the that's the least amount of idle conference teams this bowl season amongst the Power 5 conferences. ACC, five teams not going bowling. Big Ten, five teams. Pac-12, five teams. Only the SEC has fewer than five teams not going bowling. The SEC only has three teams not going bowling. And so if you're looking at what are these teams doing to earn revenue, what are they doing to get respect, what are they doing to get bowl eligibility? And by the way, you don't, I mean, bowl eligibility is not what it is today than it was 20 years ago. It's much, much easier to be bowl eligible today than it was 20 years ago. Much easier. And the fact that ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 have each have five teams not going bowling. I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, that again, you're losing points in this, hey, conference prestige. So maybe you have the best team in the country, SEC. Maybe you have the second best, maybe the best team in the country, Big Ten. But look, Ohio State gets no points over TCU. And this always cracks me up. It's all it's always about, oh, look, yeah, but they lost, you know. uh, Yeah. The team that lost by multiple touchdowns at home is going to bark against the team that lost in overtime in the conference championship game. And then just because of the logo on their chest, feel like they deserve to be number three because they they deserve. Hey, we got two teams in. Yeah, one team because there wasn't a better option. I'm going to give Michigan all of the props that it deserves. I'm looking forward to a Michigan-Georgia championship game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But, man, I'm not giving Ohio State anything. They were literally in the playoff because there wasn't a better option. That's it. That's it. The only thing they did to deserve to be in the playoff is they didn't suck as much as Alabama did this season. And I know two losses doesn't suck, okay? Oklahoma, hey Oklahoma, you lost six games. Yep, they sure did. I'm not, I, I'm not bragging on Oklahoma about anything, am I? By the way, can we talk about the Pac-12 for just a quick second? Because I, I hate to do this, but I, I mean, we got to bring up Lincoln Riley, do we not? I mean, it is an Oklahoma podcast, and I hate to be that guy who keeps talking about the previous coach. But you, you, you look at this deal with the Big Ten, okay? Michigan, two years in a row. So Michigan they're not. Michigan is not a team on the rise anymore. Michigan is a team that has arrived. The Big Ten belongs to Michigan. Ohio State, they're in there. They're in the mix every year. It's, I mean, if you think about the Big 12, for so many years, I, I, I get it. I get it. It was Baylor last year. It's Kansas State this year. I get it, okay? But for so many years, the Big 12 was defined by either Oklahoma or Texas. And when you thought the Big 12, it was Oklahoma or Texas. The Big 10, Michigan, Ohio State. Lincoln Riley bolted from Oklahoma. You'll never convince me otherwise. I mean, it's out there. He, he, he can clean it up, mop it up however he wants to. But he bolted because he didn't want to play in the SEC. So he goes to USC. And when you think about the Pac 12, there's Oregon, yada, yada, yada. Okay. UCLA been down. Oregon's not the powerhouse it once was. USC just right. And 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 I, I said I said he would find success at USC. He would find immediate success at USC because the Pac 12 is an awful football conference. But now, two years in a row, who does the Pac-12 belong to? It belongs to Utah. And and Utah did something that Baylor did. Baylor kind of showed the path to beating Caleb Williams. You put a lot of pressure on him. You knock him around. You take away his immediate short options. You make him in a hurry, make a decision to throw deep or mid-range. Utah did that to him twice. And all this talk about, oh, Keanu Williams is hurt. He popped his hamstring. Listen, he, I, I'm not a doctor. He didn't pop his hamstring. There's no way he popped his hamstring. Maybe tweaked it. Maybe hurt it. Maybe nudged it. He didn't pop it. To pop is insinuate that his hamstring somehow tore. No, that never happened. That's That's talk about trying to get heisman votes obviously i'm not buying it i don't have a heisman vote i do have a vote for the maxwell award and we're going to talk about that here in a minute but here's what i'm getting at with usc lincoln riley is now about to go to the big 10 so all the leverage that he had going to the pac-12 is gone he's not the top dog in the pac-12 it's utah He's losing recruiting battles to UCLA. And now he's going to go to the Big Ten where he won't be top dog. Jim Harbaugh is top dog in the Big Ten. Ryan Day is right behind Jim Harbaugh. So at best, at best, he's going to be number three. But oh wait, Matt Rule's coming into the end of the Big Ten. I mean, look, this is not going to be a good move. And what I'm wondering is how much longer... Until the NFL calls Lincoln Riley's name. How much longer? Because he he didn't want to play in the the SEC. He was never going to be top dog in the SEC. He was top dog in the Big 12. He could be top dog, had the potential to be top dog in in the Pac-12. It hasn't happened yet. It's only been one season. He'll never be top dog in the Big 10. So how much longer is this guy going to hang around SC? Because it's all about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is all about Lincoln Riley. So just, just a quick thought. All right. Um, I'm Maxwell Award. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to tell you how I'm voting my process. Um, transfer portal is going absolutely crazy. And then a couple of thoughts on basketball. It's not just bowl season. It's also award season and it's transfer portal season. We spent a lot of time already talking about uh, the bowl game for Oklahoma against Florida State. We talked about the... Uh, college football playoff I shared some thoughts on all that. I, I do want to just spend a little bit of time talking about an award. I want to talk about um, the transfer portal because it's just going crazy right now, um, which is as expected. Um, obviously I don't get to vote for the Heisman trophy, but I do actually get a vote for the Maxwell award and they're, they're very similar. I mean, Maxwell awards, pretty prestigious. So I'm not I'm just saying that because I, i get to vote for it it's been around since 1937 and you've had guys like tommy mcdonald from the university of oklahoma uh who won it way way back in the day barry sanders won it for oklahoma state back was in 1988 jason white won the award twice um baker mayfield won the award um so um and actually i think jason white may have only won it once but um I, I don't know why I said twice. Uh, but anyway, all that said, I, I do have a vote here. And and it's similar. Um, you know, you got you got your big field, and then you narrow it down and narrow it down to, to your finalist. Um, and, man, I got to be honest with you. I'm really bummed about the finalists. And, he, and here's why. Uh, CJ Stroud, Hooker, Caleb Williams, those are your Maxwell Award finalists. I don't know that that's been released, but probably by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be out there. Man, I, and, I, and I'm, my question is this, where's Max Duggan? Where in the world is Max Duggan? Because he's the guy that I kind of had my sights set on. And, and when you look at this award, according to the description and the voter guide, according to the label, it is the best all-around football player in the United States. And I don't see how you can have a list that doesn't include Max Duggan in that. Now, we're all quarterbacks, Okay. The finalists are all quarterbacks. So to add another quarterback in there, not a big deal. The last guy to win this reward award, Bryce Young from Alabama. What was he? Oh yeah, he was a quarterback. Um, so, you know, you you got, I mean, you you had. Think about this. From 2016, you had Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Tua, Joe Burrow, and then finally in 2020, Devontae Smith won it. The first non-quarterback since since 2015 to win it. By the way, before that, it was Marcus Mariota. You go back to quarterback. So, And then Bryce Young last year. So this is an award that goes to quarterbacks. And thus, you're just exceptional like Derrick Henry was, like Devontae Smith was. And you got guys like C.J. Stroud, good quarterback. Hendon Hooker, good quarterback. Cato Williams, good quarterback. Those are your finalists. And Max Duggan, statistically, and what happened on the field, right there with him. One loss on the season for Max Duggan. Now, you you can actually say the only undefeated quarterback on this list is Hendon Hooker because he went down to injury. C.J. Stroud lost. Kelly Williams lost twice. Max Duggan finally lost in overtime. C.J. Stroud, 3,340 yards passing on the season. Hendon Hooker, 3,135 yards passing on the season. Now, Kelly Williams, 4,075 yards passing on the season where's Max Duggan he's right there in the mix of that 3,321 passing yards 30 touchdowns for for Max Duggan four interceptions CJ Stroud threw six six interceptions now he had more touchdowns at 37 Hinton Hooker obviously didn't complete the season Had 27 touchdowns with two interceptions Caleb Williams 37 touchdowns four interceptions Max Duggan 555 rushing yards. That is more. That is more than Hindenhooker Hooker and CJ Stroud combined. I mean, just throwing it out there. That's more than was it Caleb Williams? I think was 372. Sorry, I don't have that stat right in front of me now. Caleb Williams did run for 10 touchdowns. Max Duggan ran for ran for six. But the point is, he's got more rushing yards than any of these three guys that are the finalists. He's got more rushing touchdowns than two of the three. He's got more passing touchdowns than Hendon Hooker. He's got fewer interceptions than C.J. Stroud. Completion percentage, 64.9. Everyone else is in the 60s. C.J. Stroud, 66.2. Caleb Williams, 66.1. Hendon Hooker, 69.6. So the point I'm making is my guy, my guy that I really wanted to vote for is not available. And I think it's a little bit of a travesty. But this is the best all-around football player, which I guess of these quarterbacks that make the finalists, I got to pick who's the best. And this is where I'm torn. I really am torn on this. Because I don't think Hindenhooker or CJ Stroud are more um, dynamic, I guess, is the word. Then Caleb Williams. So, by the definition of this rule, this guideline, it's Caleb Williams for me. And as a former Oklahoma fan, I just man that that just destroys me. Okay, but four thousand seventy-five passing yards, more than anybody else in the finalist. Three hundred and seventy-two rushing yards. I need to verify that since I'm podcasting this, right? 372 rushing yards, that's what I think I have in my notes, but 10 rushing touchdowns is undisputed. Completion percentage of 66.1. The only guy who who really had better stats here that, that I think could have been comparable would be Hendon Hooker, but again, Hendon Hooker I think was the most important guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. USC wouldn't be what they were. 3, 372, I was reading that right, yep. So Hendon Hooker, USC wouldn't be who they were without without Cata Williams. I get that. But Tennessee wouldn't be where they were without Hendon Hooker, and Tennessee actually beat top 25 teams. That's pretty important to note. Tennessee actually won big games. Now, the big win for USC and Caleb Williams this year was UCLA, right? The battle for LA. But, I mean, that, 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 the UCLA number 16, Notre Dame was a paper tiger. I mean, they lost to Marshall. So I just, I, I'm torn here because Hinden Hooker. Didn't finish the season. I think Hinden Hooker was probably more valuable in terms of of actually doing things on a national stage than Caleb Williams was. But then again, at the end of the day, Hendon Hooker succumbed to injury, which was tragic, and I think that takes him away. So I, here's how I voted this. And I'm asking your forgiveness, but I went Caleb. You you vote. You have three options. You know there's three finalists, and you vote one, two, three. Here's your top option, second option, third option. Points are weighed. So I went Caleb Williams number one. Hinden Hooker number two. C J Stroud number three. And and the 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 clear advantage for me with Hinden Hooker and C J Stroud was um, rushing. C J Stroud 74 rushing yards on the season. Hinden Hooker 430 rushing yards, five touchdowns. So that's it. That's how I voted the Maxwell Award. Um, I hope you guys can can find it in your hearts to forgive me and and let me move on from that. Um, Oklahoma is going to be active in the transfer portal, both of players coming and players going. Here, who I'm recording this, it's almost four o'clock on December 5th. Here, who is currently? This is the first day of the transfer portal, so not everyone's going to be in there yet. But the Sooners have, as of right now, the Sooners have Trevon West, Jordan Mukes, Kendall Dennis, Brian Darby, Josh Eaton, Theo Weese, Joseph Witi, and uh, that's it. That's who's in there right now. Now, there's other players that are going to go into the portal. We know that. For example, Nick Evers. Nick Evers is is heading towards the portal, and and again, in the in the Factual evidence category that Oklahoma fans would literally fight over everything. You have the crowd that says, "Well, Nick Evers going into the transfer portal just proves that Oklahoma needs to part ways with Jeff Lebby." Man, that is just that's that's a hard take to jump onto. Okay, first of all, we we get it. Okay, it's not what you wanted. But can we not? Can we just before we jump? And I, I feel like I have to do this. I, I, I feel like I just have to set these boundaries because if you don't set the boundaries, nothing makes sense. Okay. Because I, I am full on board that the, the throwback to Dylan Gabriel was a terrible play call in that moment of that game in Lubbock, Texas. Terrible. Not necessary. So you have those moments with Jeff Levy where you're like, dude, come on. Tell me you're a first-year play caller without telling me you're a first-year play caller. But then can we just not also acknowledge that Dylan Gabriel was the Big 12 Offensive Newcomer of the Year? Is that, I mean, is that hard to do? Be- oh, well, yeah. No, you can't. I'm sorry. you You can't say... You should fire Jeff Levy because Nick, Nick Evers is in the transfer portal and the play call to the throwback to Dylan Gabriel was stupid. Okay. I'm not going to argue Nick Evers. He's heading to, and he's not in there now. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the transfer portal right now. He's not in there, but he's going to be in there. Undoubtedly, he's going to be in there. And the argument is he's in there because he didn't get a fair shake. As bad as that offensive performance was against Texas, Nick Evers didn't get a fair shot at it. And again, I'm with you. That was a terrible offensive performance against Texas. Worst offensive performance I think I've seen in a long time. Take me back to the mid-90s, and I might give you a couple of runner-ups. But that was bad. It was really bad. But as much as I'm not satisfied with that offensive performance, I'm also not the guy who's going to go out there and say, I never went to a single practice. I never interviewed a single player. Never talked to a single coach. But I can tell you right now, Nick Evers was a better option than Davis Bevel. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. If if Nick Evers was ready, I mean, as bad as that offense performance was, it tells me that's that's how much Nick Evers wasn't ready. And yeah, you you could always say, well, it could have got worse. Maybe you could have. I don't see how, but maybe you could have. But these coaches, they looked at General Booty, they looked at Nick Evers, they looked at Davis Bevel, and they thought, you know what? We're going to go with a wildcat formation and Davis Bevel. I mean, that to me, that's more of an indictment on Nick Evers than it is an indictment on Jeff Levy. I, I don't think Jeff Levy was perfect. I don't at all. But I look at the end result, and you got the Big 12 offensive newcomer of the year who a lot of people want to see him ride the bench behind a true freshman next year. Make it make sense. And then you got a first-year offensive coordinator who is putting the pieces together from what was left over. Remember that the offensive talent left, guys. Caleb Williams is not on this team, and he's not coming back. Austin Stogner may be coming back. We're about to jump into that. Caleb Williams isn't coming back. Mario Williams not coming back. Rayleigh Brown didn't make it. Those stars left. And Marvin Mims, I'm sorry, I love the guy, but dropped passes in crucial moments. Jalil Farouk dropped passes in crucial moments. Braden Willis dropped passes in crucial moments. And we want to jump on Dylan Gabriel for not completing passes? Oh, but he overthrew. Yeah, he overthrew, but there were lots of drops. I mean, not a Dylan Gabriel pass, but if Braden Willis catches that pass on the fake field goal in Lubbock, Texas. We're probably talking about a different bowl game and we're talking about a guaranteed non-losing season. So we got a quarterback that was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year that we don't want back. We got an offensive coordinator who produced a top 25 offense by putting the pieces together of what was left when he got here plus what he was able to bring in on a short notice. And we want to fire that guy because the third or fourth string quarterback is in the transfer portal. Now, look, I got nothing but respect for Nick Evers. Okay. He was Jeff Lebby's first recruit, first commitment. But you guys are so high on Jackson Arnold, as am I. Okay. So high on Jackson Arnold. Dylan Gabriel's most likely, 95% chance, going to be the starting quarterback for this football team next year. But you're so high on Jackson Arnold that you want him to come in and unseat Dylan Gabriel, and then you're going to throw a fit because Nick Evers goes into the transfer portal? In your scenario, in your situation, when does Nick Evers play? There was a a lot of thought out there that Nick Evers had dropped behind General Booty on this depth chart so that means you had Dylan Gabriel as your starting quarterback Davis Bevel unequivocally the backup because he came in and Lubbock then you probably had General Booty and Nick Evers at number 4 so at best he's your number 3 quarterback and probably more realistically he's your number 4 quarterback and because he's in the transfer portal Jeff Lebby's got to go Man, I just, I I can't, I, there's going to be a time and there will be times when you need a call for firing coaches. This isn't one of them, not on that side of the ball. I mean, if if you want to fire a coach, you look on the side of the ball that didn't produce top 25 results. No, that's Brent Venables, though. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not at all saying, I'm not at all saying we need to fire Brent Venables because I know there's even some people out there doing that. But also keep in mind, people wanted to fire Bob Stoops. Keep in mind that people wanted to bench Jalen Hurts. We don't have a real good track record when we start screaming our things at football. But that said, uh, if you, if you want to see heads roll, I don't really think you need to look on the offensive side of the ball. So we got guys going into the transfer portal. Here we know for sure. We we know for sure Jacob Lacey uh coming out of Notre Dame, uh four-star defensive lineman, huge huge get for Oklahoma. Immediate eligibility, uh coming in. That's that's going to be big for Oklahoma. And, but then there's other guys that are that are really um forecasted to come. I mean, you got the McCullough brothers, you got a one the DeSan, four-star edge rusher. Coming in a day, a uh, four-star safety coming in, most likely, most likely, because these are all just what people are thinking. Um, then you've got uh, a very familiar name, a very familiar name in Austin Stogner. And this is a kind of a crazy thing for me because I, I, I loved Austin Stogner when he was here. But the fact that he's in the portal and the fact that he's projected not just to be in the portal, but he's projected to come back to the University of Oklahoma. First of all, what this tells me is that uh, that um, I think Spencer Rattler's done at South Carolina. I think he's this guy. He's he's made enough name for himself. He's going to test NFL waters because Austin Stogner left to go to South Carolina. Uh, with Spencer Rattler, so I, I think you're going to see it, probably an announcement soon that Spencer Rattler is heading to the NFL. But the uh, Day McCullough coming out of Cincinnati, uh, that's going to be really big for OU because you you get a, you get Desan McCullough on your defensive line, you get Dave McCullough and in, in, in this defensive secondary, guys that are proven, guys that are four star talent type guys, pretty big for OU. So the, the transfer portal is going, going to take away. And, and I think you're, you're going to see more uh, probably after the bowl game as well. You're going to see more guys bounce. But, but also, I think this, you're going to see Brent Venables, Jeff Lebby, Ted Roof. You're going to see those guys dive in to this transfer portal, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, because you need immediate relief. You, you have to get better immediately. I, I think I still a, a six and six, most likely looking at a bowl loss. I still feel like this program's in good hands. And, and I know that puts me in maybe in a minority, but i I've not wavered. Now we get, we're six and six after the 2023 season. Then you're going to hear me say, okay, some things have really got to change before next year ends. But I, I, look at, I really look at what are former players saying? What are current players saying? You got guys like Braden Willis. Braden Willis doesn't have to play in this bowl game. He's gone. He's, he's going to go to the NFL. He's out of eligibility. He doesn't have to play. But he's here, and he's playing. Why? He's, he's bought in on Brent Venables. You hear guys like Marvin Mims talk about, well, I mean, this is a lot. They put a lot on us. They wanted us to be leaders and we didn't really, you know, understand all of it ourselves. That's a, that's a different vibe. And and what you're having is a a culture clash right now of guys who were talented, extremely talented, but kind of got to do what they wanted. And and you you look at Lincoln Riley's post game comments about Caleb Williams. He wouldn't let me take him out. I'm sorry. It was Caleb Williams, the coach. And now Brent Venables wants accountability. He wants expectations. And some guys are really vibing on that. Some guys are thriving on that. And those are the guys I look at because that, that's what you, you got to change the culture. But what, what you see happen is this culture didn't get changed in 2022. And for some people, that's going to be a, a hard pill to swallow But, I mean, I said it, and other people said it. It's not an original thought to me. It's going to take a while to get the Alex Grinch out of that defense. It's going to take a while to get the Lincoln Riley out of that offense. But I I think you're going to see some fresh blood in this bowl game because of opt-outs, because of transfers. And maybe you'll get to see a glimpse of the future. But it's way, way too early. Way, in my opinion, way too early to be writing off coaches and writing off players. All right, let's close this out. A little bit of basketball talk, and then we're done for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Sooners fall at Villanova over the weekend. Seventy to sixty-six was the final. Oklahoma failed in its first opportunity of the season to pick up a true road win. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't really eliminate a lot of. What uh, Oklahoma accomplished through that six game winning streak, Ole Miss still probably your best, um, your best win of the season. And and the truth is Villanova, not as bad of a loss as what it looks like, because, you know, you just you just look at the the records and you're like, oh, man, Villanova, you know, they only won two games coming in. I promise you. I promise you, number one. This team will be a winning team by the end of the season. And number two, they're probably going to be a tournament team. They're three and zero at home, um, so it, it's a little bit more of a complicated than just comparing just comparing records, right? Oklahoma goes in that game six and one. Villanova goes in that game two and four. Uh, excuse me, two and five, and they they don't come out uh, on the top end. We were talking about the Sooners, but um, it's definitely not as bad. Definitely not as bad as uh, that loss to Sam Houston to start the season. But there are still some things that are going to be problems for this team. And number one, I I firmly believe, firmly believe, if you're a starter, you got to score points. Now, CJ Nolan only played nine minutes in this game, but he didn't score. He only took one shot. He's your starting point guard, or one of your starting guards. He's got to shoot. He's got to score. Bijan Cortez, six points off the bench. Sam Godwin, five points off the bench. There were five bench players in this game. Only two of them scored. And when you look at the bench minutes, you've got, let's see, let me do some quick math here. You've got uh, 20, 30, 46, 55 minutes of bench play that produced 11 points. You did everything else right. I mean, they shot 48% from the floor, 435 from three point range, 8 of 12 from the free throw line. Uh, they they out rebounded uh, Villanova, I believe they got 31 rebounds to 19. I mean, yeah, they, I, they they did everything right except the bench didn't score. And you got two losses this season, and a common theme, and that is the bench not producing points. It's got to get better. That that's it. It's not going to be your starting five. That's going to determine the 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 your final standing in the big 12 rankings it's not and the big 12 texas looks pretty good at six and zero. kansas obviously eight and uh, eight and one iowa state looks really good and kansas state there's your top four so four of the 10 look really really solid but then you got tcu baylor oklahoma west virginia texas tech yeah you can interchange those parts. Oklahoma State's a little bit down at five and three; they got the most losses in the conference. There's no way Oklahoma can't be. I mean, there's there's no way it's not possible that Oklahoma can't be top five in the Big Twelve. But they've 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 got to produce points off the bench. That that was the common theme, in that loss in both losses. They're playing great defense. They're holding opponents to, um, what is it, 58 and a half points a game? The Villanova put 70, which was the most that they've given up this season. But I mean, this, this team, I, I, I think it's a little bit of an anomaly because I, I don't know that Porter Mosier 100% hasn't figured out. But you've got a really, really big game coming up if you're Oklahoma and Tulsa against Arkansas on December 10th. Now you got Kansas City coming up on the 6th, which is what Tuesday night is tomorrow night. You got Central Arkansas and then you got Florida. So in 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 your next four games, you got you, you got Florida, which is a not a top 25 team, but they've got a top 25 name. The Gators are 6 and 3 on the season. Arkansas is a top 10 team, so you got a top 10 team, two SEC schools. And then you got Kansas City and Central Arkansas. If you come out of that that run of the next three, uh, excuse me, the next four, if you come out of that with a three and one record, you're sitting pretty good going into conference play. Now, again, to me, 20 has always been your mark, right? 20 is is where you want to get to in conference play to to get to the NCAA tournament. Six and two, if you go three and one over the next four, you go into conference play at nine and three. You got to out of your 18 conference games, you got to win 11 of them. I think that becomes doable. I really do. Yeah. But I, I, my fear is this. My fear is, you know, what? We're mid-December. So my fear is four months from now, three and a half months from now, because we're looking at Oklahoma as a bubble team for the NCAA tournament. We're gonna be going back. Ah, oh, that Sam Houston game at home. Villanova is not gonna be a loss that kills you on an NCAA tournament resume because number one, it's Villanova. Number two, it was on the road. They're gonna look at that Sam Houston game and they're gonna be like, holy cow, how did you lose that game? And and that's that's my fear. I'm, not, I, I'm afraid it's gonna come down to that. Now what Oklahoma does have going for right now is that Sam Houston is 7-1 and one on the season. And they, they started the season on, on a, on a five-game winning streak. They won at Oklahoma. They won at Utah. They lost their first game a couple of nights back to Nevada. But they're sitting 7-1 and one right now. So if Sam Houston continues to kind of produce, that becomes less of a resume killer than what it is right now. But there's a lot of basketball left, a lot of basketball left for this team, and I, I don't think there's kind of like what I was saying with football, but just kind of bring it down to the to the season level. I, I don't think it's it's um I don't think it's time to have an immediate overreaction one way or the other. You, you think about Grant Sherfield, who's leading this team, 16.3 points per game. Uh, he's new, but he's leading the team. Sam Godwin's trying to find his spot. I, I feel like every time I see Sam Godwin in the game, all he does is produce. Dude, he's a rebound magnet. Bijan Cortez, you're starting to see his minutes grow. You start to see his, his participation grow. But I think there's still there's 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 still guys that Porter is trying to figure out the exact rotation. And that that's what this non-conference portion of the schedule is all about. But I I'd still think this team can compete to be top five in the Big 12. All right, that's going to wrap it up. You can find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Thanks so much for listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. Hit us up uh, on Twitter if you got any questions, comments, you got your true or false statement you want to throw it at us. Uh, hit us up. Uh, make sure you press that like button. And uh, thanks so much for subscribing or just... Listening to a, to a one-off podcast. You guys have a great day, Come great again. week, and we'll I talk. Promise to you, soon. you sooner. I promise you. Number one, this team will be w- a winning team by the end of the season, and number two, they're probably going to be a tournament team. They're three and zero at home, um, so it, it's a little bit more of a complicated than just comparing j- just comparing records, right? Oklahoma goes in that game six and one. Villanova goes in that game two and four. Uh, excuse me, two and five.